This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. The 2020 presidential election. We know who won the election, but still, the transition is hanging in the balance. And with it, the national security community. You know, the human condition is a frail one. And uh, people in dire circumstances will will sometimes uh, make dire decisions. That's Larry Pfeiffer, former CIA chief of staff and former senior director of the Situation Room at the White House, talking about President Donald Trump. What happens after he leaves the White House with all those secrets? The fears range, I think, from inadvertent disclosures. You know, a man who, um, if again, reports are to be believed, has on occasion disclosed classified material to people not authorized for it because he just didn't remember what was or wasn't classified. And there are more than a few people in the national security community worried about the hundreds of millions of dollars of debt the president has and how vulnerable it might make him. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. This week, Washington Post writer Shane Harris wrote an excellent article. It's called, As an Ex-President, Trump could disclose the secrets he learned while in office, current and former officials fear. One of those officials is Larry Pfeiffer. He was the chief of staff at the CIA under former CIA director Michael Hayden. He also was senior director of the White House Situation Room. So he's been in and seen some very serious situations where classified information is handled. And he knows the value of that being kept secret. But he and other members of the national security community are very concerned right now. So we spoke with him about what his concerns are. You have a president of the United States who is leaving office with, uh, if the press is to to be believed, a substantial amount of personal debt. He's also leaving office with um, a vast amount of secrets in his head secrets of an intelligence nature, secrets about weapons, secrets about defense plans, secrets about sources and methods. And, um, you know, that combination, you know, high, high debt and lots of sensitive information in one's head, uh, those are normally of great concern to security officials. Um, you know, the human condition is a frail one and uh, people in dire circumstances will, will sometimes uh, make dire decisions. Um, you know, so I, I don't want to impugn the, the, the patriotism of President Trump. You know, he very well may be the you know, most patriotic man in the country right now. But, uh, but people will do funny things when they're in horrible circumstances. Um, 
the fears range, I think, from inadvertent disclosures. You know, a man who, um, if again, reports are to be believed, has on occasion disclosed classified material to people not authorized for it because he just didn't remember what was or wasn't classified. So there's concern that as he's, you know, doing a, um, you know, kind of a post-presidency uh, world tour, he might find himself with world leaders and may inadvertently say something he shouldn't. Um, but there's also the concern that uh, as he's looking for help with his debt problems or help getting his business back up on uh, uh, two feet, um, that, uh, you know, he may lean a little forward in what he's saying and may find himself, uh, you know, favorably disclosed, disclosed to, being, uh, um, to being a bit more uh, fulsome in what he's telling him. Larry, let's just be straight up about this. What you're saying is the president might knowingly divulge classified information to get help with his debt. Uh, that's a worry. Absolutely. It's a worry. And, and again, you know, good people have, have made that hard decision uh, in the past and, and ended up spying on our country. Um, I think if you talk to most people who've uh, conducted espionage, uh, many of them uh, didn't go into it thinking that they were doing anything more than just, I'll just do this a little bit and then I'll be done. And then suddenly you're, you, know, you find yourself uh, being pretty responsive to uh, somebody who's helping you out of a tough situation. You're a former intelligence officer. You've been very diplomatic and polite uh, in what you're saying, but let's just um, get to the heart of this. You're worried seriously worried and just judging by some of your engagements on social media regarding this president, you are significantly worried a lot more than you're saying. Is that correct? Well, yeah, I, I'm definitely worried. Uh, I'm worried not only about him, I'm worried about the immediate close circle of people that have worked around him that are, that are excruciatingly loyal to him. Uh, many of whom may not find themselves able to get the traditional post-administration jobs uh, in perhaps defense industry or consultancies around town. And, you know, some of these individuals are going to be needing to pay bills themselves or just may feel some overwhelming sense of loyalty. Um, you know, there's the grudge factor as well. This is a president who clearly is acting aggrieved that he feels he's being cheated out of his uh, second term. Um, you know, that grudge factor can play a role as well. So, so definitely, definitely a great concern, uh, not only about the president, but about that immediate circle around him. You know, I may be wrong, but I think that some presidents in the past had maintained what's called a cleared status after leaving office, at least for a certain amount of time. Um, is that likely the case with this president? So, you know, as I think we've talked about before, um, you know, presidents don't get security clearances. They get access by nature of the fact that they've been elected by the American people to this important office. Um, every former president in modern times has been able to get access to sensitive information in their post-presidency. Uh, some, like President George H.W. Bush, for a period of time, got a regular daily intel briefing. Uh, others get intel briefings upon request. I remember when General Hayden was director of CIA, um, we arranged for both at different times, Presidents Clinton and Carter to get uh, briefings before they were going to be going overseas to meet with world leaders. And those briefings would include uh, a counterintelligence awareness briefing and then, uh, and then usually something a little more detailed that would help them you know, if they were going to be dealing with the, the leadership of the country, you know, an update on the leadership and uh, any intelligence around that. 
Um, so, you know, one would expect that President Trump would want the same kind of uh, treatment. Uh, I think you raise a great question as to, you know, ultimately that's all done. Well, when we were, when we were approached by Presidents Carter and Clinton, um, you know, we didn't go to the White House and say, Mother, may I? Uh, it was just kind of an accepted norm that you do this with former presidents. Um, but ultimately, it's all done with the knowledge that it's something that the president would approve. Um, perhaps that changes with this, uh, with this situation. Perhaps, uh, perhaps um, out of that concern, um, consultation by a director of CIA with the White House might need to happen before uh, such a briefing would be presented. Um, or perhaps a briefing is presented, but it doesn't include any classified information. It's just a, you know, a knowledgeable expert giving you a briefing about what's going on in the country without divulging sensitive sources and methods. That situation is, is um, clearly upon us. Um, but I have to ask this question as we discuss this. What can you do to stop a former president from giving up secrets? Well, I mean, you hate to say it, but, uh, you know, a former president, if it's found out that they're divulging classified information, you know, they're, they're just a normal citizen like you and me and, uh, and will fall under the same uh, legal consequences if they do so. So, uh, you know, he needs to worry about that. Um, beyond that, uh, we have an individual who's seriously in debt, um, you know, more in debt than anybody who's ever conducted espionage or divulged classified information in our history. Um, Perhaps it's in the United States national interest to figure out ways to ease that burden, make it less of a situation, make it less of a situation. So perhaps the U.S. government needs to consider um, ways in which we can you know, maybe lean on foreign banks to, to, or lean on domestic banks to, to, to help restructure his loans in a favorable way. Or, you know, perhaps even the U.S. government should uh, consider relieving him of some of that financial burden. Uh, I think these are things that you know, should, should, be, should be discussed. You don't really think that seriously, do you? Well, what I would offer is this. As you know, JJ, um, individuals who disclose classified material or conduct espionage uh, in our past, uh, not all of them get prosecuted under the law. And the reason they don't get prosecuted is out of a fear that there could be further disclosure of sources and methods by going through the judicial process. So what happens is, um, uh, you know, accommodations are made, uh, plea agreements are, are, are obtained. And in those agreements, uh, sometimes uh, um, financial considerations play in trying to keep these individuals, uh, you know, out, they're out of jail, but they're also not going to be conducting uh, any problems. So uh, granted, that's all done on a much smaller scale, but, uh, but, but there is precedent for, uh, um, for stemming somebody hmm. from divulging classified information by helping them with their financial situation. That is just a staggering proposition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> considering the individual that we're talking about. And yes, yes, I guess you'd have to wonder what, you know, what he, would he, helping him with the situation, would that, you know, would, would that necessarily uh, uh, solve the problem? I, I, I guess that's a question. Yes, that is my next question. <laughs> How would that solve the problem, considering that this individual throughout his entire life has had debt issues 
Um, and in certainly in his last four years has made it very clear that he um, is a little bit more friendly with people that are not U.S. allies, um, a little bit more friendly with people that are known to be dictators and authoritarian figures, paying him off, which is what it essentially would be, doesn't usually work in those cases, does it? Um, well, again, you know, if there are consequences for the individual um, not abiding by the terms of the agreement, then, uh, you know, and those consequences being being legal or, or potentially uh, jail time or, or perhaps, uh, you know, involve close family, uh, you know, maybe, maybe he stays on board. Okay. I hear what you're saying now. Um, you're throwing some other sticks into the mix along with the carrots and those sticks don't necessarily simply apply to him, but to others. And, and that's, that's a very interesting proposition. But again, but the situation before we get to that point, we have to assess where we are right now. And that is, we have a president who won't recognize that he, by all, all accounts appears to have been, and let's just say it, he, he lost and right. won't concede the election. Right. Uh, and there are others that are in the, the national security pipeline that know exactly what you and I and what the electoral college seems to know, um, but won't go along with it, at least publicly, because for whatever reason. This is, according to the some of the folks I've spoken to, including former secretaries of defense and uh, intelligence agencies, this is extremely damaging to U.S. national security. So I'd like for you, if you would, put into context how damaging this is. So if you go back and you look at the 9-11 Commission report, the, one of the findings of the 9-11 Commission was that the protracted delay in transition for President Bush directly contributed to their lack of preparedness when warnings came up and an attack ultimately happened against our nation. And uh, uh, the, the, the commission report is pretty strident in its view that uh, transitions need to happen and begin happening immediately. Uh, so every day that we delay the transition, every day that uh, Biden himself, uh, Kamala Harris, and uh, his transition team are kept from classified information or even unclassified information that regards what's happened in the last four years since they were in office, it puts them behind the eight ball in terms of their ability to, to come up with appropriate policy responses to what's happening in the world. So, so yes, there are, there are and could be significant um, national security consequences if this delay uh, gets protracted for a, for, a, for a long period of time. But the, the, the musical chairs is taking place at the Pentagon and the, the NCTC in the, in, in the intelligence community. Uh, and some of the individuals that are being elevated to positions are people who have done things that have at the very least raised some, a lot of eyebrows in the intelligence community. In the meantime, some of these people are going to be in charge of the nation's crown jewels. That to me seems to be another gigantic problem that, you know, you know, we're 60 some days out from an, an inauguration, a tremendous amount of damage could be done in terms of foreign actors. Correct. I know. 
Well, I do worry. I do. I, I do worry. Uh, at, at a bare minimum, just the distraction that's created at a period of time when transition should be being done, the distraction that's created by bringing in new leadership over significant parts of our national security infrastructure is is negligent, if not criminal. Um, the individuals who have been put in place are individuals who clearly have a, a worldview different from most most people in national security. Uh, so that is of that is of great concern. Uh, what I would offer, though, is you know we have sixty some days left. Um, if they you know bureaucracies can do what bureaucracies do well, and you know that's uh, uh, they can slow roll things, they can uh, uh, delay processing requests, they can uh, you know there there are some things they could do to maybe prevent some of the worst excesses. My greatest concern, though, is and you know if, if you read uh, David Ignatius's article today, for example. Uh, it suggests that there is material that has been reviewed that uh, Gina Haspel at CIA and Paul Nakasone at NSA are both holding very firm should not be declassified because of the grave risk to our sources and methods. And uh, if that material has been processed to the point where it's a go, no-go decision and people are put in place to now say, go, release it, um, we do run the risk of... Um, on the human side, the human intelligence side of our business, we do run the risk in losing our assets there. And, you know, losing human assets often means human people get killed. And on the uh, uh, technical side, you know, technical intelligence side, uh, we run the risk of losing sources that cost millions, if not often billions of dollars to develop. And these are resources that are often not just singularly focused on maybe that particular problem, but are assets that are used for a broad array of collection efforts. And uh, uh, those decisions, you know, would be horribly irresponsible in terms of uh, uh, the impact on our ability to monitor what's going on in the world. The CIA does not, to my, my understanding, have the, the responsibility for investigating or at least trying to track down traitors internally. I think that's an FBI function. Is that right? Yeah, the FBI has the uh, overarching counterintelligence okay. mission, particularly inside the U.S., where CIA will help and where NSA will help is in um, gaining uh, an understanding and providing information about the foreign side of that. So, you know, they'll, they'll be targeting the foreign intelligence agencies that are working our people. And yeah. so they would, be, they would be involved. It is my understanding. And, and the reason I asked that question is because I have read that David Ignatius article today. And it is my understanding that both CIA Director Gina Haspel and, uh, as you mentioned, NSA Director Paul Nakasone, um, made strong arguments to uh, the president not to declassify information uh, related to Russia because of what Russia could learn from it, essentially. Right. Uh, and the other part of that thought is, if the president does that anyway, if he chooses to do that, then does that make him a target for an investigation after he's done? I mean, does that make him a target for some some eyes after he's done because of this declassification? The point that I'm getting at, the question I'm getting at is, would that be impetus for authorities to keep an eye on what he's doing with Russia later? Well, while he's president, as you know, ultimately, he is the ultimate arbiter of what is or isn't classified. So the, the, right. the tough thing for us is, while president, if he makes that decision, it's a, it's a legal decision. Um, but surely it, it, it does indicate a predisposition to want to release information. 
um, for whatever reason. You know, in this instance, maybe he's re maybe he's wanting to release it because he wants to leave office. He believes this is information that's going to make him look better, particularly with regard to what Russia did in 2016 and 2018. Um, you know, so even if that's his goal and his goal isn't to help the Russians, he will be helping the Russians. And uh, uh, yes, if I'm a foreign intelligence service, I'm devising plans and efforts to uh, uh, to try to co-opt an individual who's willing to do that kind of uh, that kind of disclosure. You know, appeal to you know, appeal, develop a plan that appeals to his ego. What's what's your biggest concern between now and inauguration day? Oh my gosh! <laughs> For whole, well, being an intelligence professional, my great my specific greatest concern would be that disclosure of sources and methods that could erode our ability to to do the good work for the nation that the intelligence community does. Um, you know, as an American citizen, I'm, you know, very worried about, uh, you know, the president's unwillingness to allow a smooth transition and the overarching impact that could have on our uh, national security posture and the, uh, the hole it could put uh, President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris in uh, as they enter office. Um, no other president in history has has spoken as much in as much of an unfiltered way in history as he has on Twitter over these last four years almost. What do you believe that is worth to foreign intelligence agencies now? And um, considering that he will be out of office soon, um, what's that worth to them? And what do they learn from these from him? these last four years? Well, I'm certain that they have been studying his tweets from when he come, came into office and have probably gone back and looked at the tweets from when he was a private citizen. And they have been able to likely determine which tweets are the ones that he does by himself in the middle of the night in a, some fevered, uh, feverish moment, and which ones are being done by staff members who are advancing his agenda. And they'll be able to then... Um, make assessments about his personality, about his foibles uh, from, from, from examining that, as you suggest, very rich tableau of material. Uh, I, incredibly valuable to a foreign intelligence service to, de to, to determine the, you know, the particular idiosyncrasies of somebody's personality. And that, so, ultimately, that ultimately can help them devise a plan, uh, you know, a, a, an intelligence targeting plan uh, against, against President Trump. You know, his family is fairly sizable and they are very active in business and uh, with other, with foreign leaders as well themselves. So how much of a target are they? Oh my gosh, they are, uh, I, I am 100% certain that the major intelligence services we worry about, <laughs> Russia, China, Iran, and others are doing everything they can to target these individuals. Um, their, uh, their, their, their public temperaments suggest that they would be prone to uh, various approaches, approaches appealing to ego, approaches appealing to, to money, um, perhaps even approaches dealing with I ideology. So uh, uh, I think uh, yeah, we should be concerned not only about President Trump as he leaves office, but we should be also concerned about Jared Kushner, Ivanka Trump, um, to a slightly lesser degree, the, the, the two Trump sons who haven't been in, as intimately involved um, in, in national security issues. And then I think we need to worry about some of the very, very close allies of the president, you know, the uh, Stephen Miller's, the Ezra Cohen Watkins, the Michael Ellis's, the uh, uh, Jason Miller's, you know, these individuals who appear willing to uh, uh, 
you know, grab the flag and go over the hill for this president and, you know, in the face of fire. So uh, I think, and these are individuals who may have a difficult time landing, um, you know, landing positions in kind of the traditional post-administration way. Well, safe to say that the the uh, counterintelligence authorities are going to be busy. Yeah, I would uh, I would imagine so. Now, you know, hopefully through the good targeting of foreign intelligence services, um, you know, we'll be able to you know, find indications of any kind of uh, targeting that's happening, any kind of targeting plans that are happening, and then, as you suggested, um, you know, the good men and women of the FBI are going to have their hands full. I think. Uh, keeping tabs on uh, any approaches that might be happening here in the U.S. If you had the opportunity to uh, it, put your former hat on, which was uh, as Situation Room Director at the White House, was that the official title? Yeah, was Senior Director of the White House Situation Room. Yep. Yeah, so if you had the opportunity to put your hat, that hat back on right now, what would be going on uh, inside the White House? How, I mean... Just give us an idea of what most likely is happening there now, because it, it just seems like an awful lot of chaos. Well, it does sound like they're holding meetings in the Situation Room to discuss a lot of these issues, if the David Ignatian article is to be believed. So, uh, so you know, that aspect of the Situation Room's life is pretty busy in hosting these kinds of meetings. Um, the uh, uh, Normally during transition, there's a lot of work being done right now. Um, to lock down all of the records of the incumbent president so that they're ready to be shipped off to appropriate archives. Um, you know, so, so, um, so individuals involved in that work uh, are, are fairly busy. Uh, I know there's some concern out there that, uh, um, you know, members of the current administration may be attempting or may possibly try to attempt to destroy records that might quote unquote incriminate them. Uh, what I would offer is that would be very difficult to do in in, in our modern IT infrastructure world, uh, you know, eliminating all data from all repositories uh, would be very, very hard to do. Uh, so I think, I don't think people need to worry about that. Um, and then, uh, you know, again, under normal circumstances, the Situation Room would be preparing to welcome uh, the new president, the vice president, the national security advisor. Um, but, uh, but you know, it does not appear we're in normal circumstances right now. So, so is that something that uh, is kind of on, on the grapevine or is that something you're hearing very seriously uh, from uh, legitimate sources and people you know? Uh, no, that's just based on you know, my knowledge of what the Situation Room does in, in, in times of transition. Uh, the other thing that they would be doing as well is preparing. Uh, there'd be a lot of work being done to prepare for congratulatory phone calls from world leaders um, on January uh, 20th, 21st, and 22nd. Um, the president normally takes phone calls uh, from dozens and dozens of world leaders, and there's a lot of... Uh, uh, orchestration that needs to take place to make that happen. And so the Situation Room will often be working directly with the transition team to start lining those things up as well. So whether they're being allowed to do that or not, I don't know. Final thoughts? Anything I haven't asked you about that you think is important? Well, I think American people should, should find solace in the fact that um, we have institutions in the intelligence community and in the Department of Defense that are strong, that are populated by people who um, swear an oath of allegiance to the Constitution and not to individuals. And it would take more, I think, than just one, two, three, four individuals being put in key positions 
to corrupt the broad population of those institutions from doing their, uh, you know, from honoring their oath. So I think, uh, I think uh, things can be potentially perilous and could appear perilous, but I, I feel confident that the good men and women of our national security infrastructure are going to do the right thing over the course of the next 60 to 70 days. And, uh, um, and I cross my fingers that that's true. Okay, Larry Pfeiffer, thank you so much. You bet, JJ. Larry Pfeiffer, former senior director of the White House Situation Room. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be back next time with a further look at the U.S. 2020 election and transition. This is a saga that will not soon be forgotten. Stay with us. If you have any questions, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That is the letter J, the color green, one word, at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. Follow us on Twitter, please. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. Also, for more information on national security, sign up for the Inside the Skiff newsletter. You can do it at WTOP.com slash alerts. And before we go, I want to say thank you for taking time to listen to us. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. was coming. Guess who? Let me start this thing off. Join me every week for the Michael Irvin Podcast. We'll give you the full MIP experience. I'm talking everything from football to fashion. I will be chopping it up with playmakers, headline makers, and I am throwing haymakers. I'm the MVP of the MIP. Don't miss it. Download new episodes of the MIP, the Michael Irvin podcast, every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.